Keith Jones covers the NBA for Spotrack, and I feel like, Keith, every time uh, we bring you on here, there's always something about the Celtics, and it's always one extreme or the other. It's, is this Celtics team the best team in the NBA, or, oh my God, should we panic, they've lost three straight. Well, right now, Keith, we're in the, they've lost three straight, including to the Knicks last night. So, how should we feel about the Boston Celtics this time around? Yeah, I don't think you feel any different than you felt about them a week ago. I, I think this is not a 65-win Celtics team. It's probably not even a 60-win Celtics team. I don't know that anybody in the league is a 60-win team this year. So that means teams are going to go through these patches where they lose three, four games in a row sometimes. And as long as they come out of those with you know wins in six out of ten, seven out of ten, that's just going to be really kind of how it is. And I think – you know, for the Celtics, it's, they've had a couple bumps in the road as the season's gone along, but each time they've rebounded from it quite well. So let's see what they do They do uh, tomorrow night against the Lakers. Last time we talked, Keith, we were really just lamenting how bad the Raptors have been. And they've won. <laughs> they've just gone on a tear ever since then. Uh, they play, obviously, the Warriors tonight. But the Knicks, there's the rumors that they're going after OG and Anobi. Do you think the Raptors are – are sellers at the deadline still, or do you think this recent win streak keeps them from making a move? I think they're going to be opportunistic sellers. If they have the opportunity to get some good stuff for some of their guys, I think they will. I don't think Messiah Ujiri is going to tear that thing all the way down to the studs by any means, but I think he's got some tough roster decisions to make. He needs to look at it and say, are we going to re-sign Fred VanVleet? Are we going to give him, you know, 100 to $120 million over the next four years? Do, do we feel good about that? Uh, Gary Trent Jr., is he part of our plan moving forward? And if those guys aren't, then you have to consider moving on from those guys. And then I think there's some real evaluation going on. Is the Siakam, Ananobi, Barnes front court of – you know, a bunch of guys who are all six foot eight to six foot nine and interchangeable. Is that really working the way they dreamed it would? Is that really what they think it can be? Or do you need to rebalance a little bit? So I, I think they're going to be active at the deadline, but I don't think we're going to see a full scale teardown. But I do think you may see a couple key players on the move because Masai is not going to be content to just sit in the middle. Uh, Keith, two teams that, you know, got off to slow starts, but we had high expectations for in the East, kind of Philadelphia and Miami have been on a tear here. I believe Miami's eight and two in their last 10 and the 76ers uh, seven and three or something like that, or they're eight and two as well. Which team do you trust more? You know, the second half of the season, is it Philadelphia? Do you think maybe they can make a run or is it Miami? I trust the talent of Philadelphia a lot more. I trust the uh, kind of consistency and feeling like they'll actually be there when it counts more from Miami, if that makes sense. I think with Philadelphia, your question is, are we going to get to the playoffs and are James Harden and Joel Embiid yeah. going to be healthy and ready to go? And if they're not, then they're going to be in rough shape. With Miami, I think you can feel pretty good of, all right, they're probably going to get there, but you know, are they coming in as the sixth seed and they're going to have this really difficult path moving forward? So get, give me Philadelphia, but I don't feel super great about that choice. Talking to Keith Smith, uh, you know, you talk about the NBA maybe not having any team that's a 60-win team. I'm looking at the Western Conference standings right now, and the top four teams each have either lost one, four, one, six in a row. Like, it, it this is just such a difficult year. W would you say that this is probably, like, more parity this year in the NBA than we've had in a really long time? I, I feel like it's 
we usually have at least one or two teams, especially during the, you know, the Warriors runs the first time around, where you just knew there was at least a couple of teams that you could count on that had a really strong shot at making the finals. I'd still put the Celtics, obviously, there. But, you know, out in the West, I love Denver. But, you know, Denver hasn't gotten to that point yet. And they're, they have to stay healthy, obviously. The Grizzlies need to take that next step. I mean, the Kings are certainly overachieving. But do we count on them in the playoffs? I, I just... Am I overstating the type of parity that's in this season, or is it really that type of year in the NBA? It's that type of year in the NBA. I've talked to a lot of teams over the last couple weeks uh, leading up to really getting in close here to the trade deadline, and there's still eight, ten teams who are like, yeah, we can win this. Like, like well, we're, we, we can come away with the title, and that's not usual. Usually, by the time you're you're getting in close to the trade deadline, you're down to – you got about four or five teams that feel really good that they can win the title. Then you've got about three or four who are, all right, yeah, maybe if everything breaks right or we can make a big trade or something like that. There's like eight to ten teams that are like, hey, as we are right now, we, we can win it. And on the flip side, there's only four bad teams in the league right now. It's Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. Everybody else is – within the mix of, you know, making some noise potentially and getting into the playing tournament and seeing where they go. So it's as wide open as I can remember the league being at any time. You know, I know a lot of people think, well, last year was kind of wide open. Yeah, to an extent. But by the time we get to the playoffs, I think, you know, we all felt like, all right, the Warriors are going to be there. The Celtics will probably be there. And they ended up getting there. The year before, it was clear that the Bucks and Suns were the two best teams. This year, you look around, it's like, well, these are the best teams right now. But I don't know that a month from now, these are going to be the best teams. Never mind, you know, three months from now when the playoffs are starting. Keith, let's diagnose the Portland Trailblazers because <laughs> it, I'm from Portland and it's just been – such a sad thing to watch Damian Lillard go nuclear in some of these games that they lose. I just saw that Jeremy Grant turned down his extension offer. I'm not sure if that's just because he wants more money in the offseason or what, but how, how would you characterize what's going on in Portland and whether they make a move at the deadline? Yeah, it is tough. They're, they're kind of like Raptors West uh, out there in Portland where you look at it and you're like, boy, I like all these guys. And you start going through the roster but then you kind of see them together, and it's like, eh, I just kind of don't like them all together. It just doesn't seem to fit the way you want it to, and, and the results aren't there. And that, that's, that's tough. So I think with Portland, what you're seeing them do is they've obviously said, you know, hey, we're, we're going to do the best we can to put a winning team around Damian Lillard. There, there's no sense of we're going to bottom this out and really rebuild. And I think until or if it ever happens that Dame says, all right, I'm done. I, I got to go somewhere else and try to win. And I'm not sure that's ever coming. Yeah. I think they're going to kind of continue to do that, to keep building teams around him that they feel good about. And in some ways, I'm not upset if I'm Portland that Jeremy Grant turned down that extension offer because I'm not sure I want to lock in, you know, almost $30 million a year on Jeremy Grant when he's a pretty good player. But now I've got big money locked in the game and Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic and a couple other guys. And all of a sudden you're in a spot where it's like, how do we get out of this and improve this team? I think it might almost be a little bit better if it's, Hey, let's just kind of play it out with Jeremy Grant. Then let's see what our options are in the summertime. Really quickly following up on that. You mentioned Anthony Simons in your opinion. Do you think that Anthony Simons and Dame, can be the backcourt of a winning team, or is it sort of similar to the C.J. McCollum deal? I think they can be, 
think just like when TJ was there, you got to put the right guys around him. You're going to have some wings that can defend, and you're going to have a big that can really cover for them inside. you, you got to get somebody who can protect the rim, and, and as when they get beat outside, can really handle their own. You want to have a couple sizable uh, forwards and wings out there with them. And, and I think that's what you're missing a little bit right now if you're Portland is. All right, you know, where, where are we going with this? I think they thought Grant would be that guy, but I think if he's gotten a little bit older, he's flipped a little bit as a defender. He's not quite what he was when he was with the Nuggets. And I think that started to change. But I'm a big Anthony Simons guy. I remember I'm here in Orlando, so I remember watching him play when he was on the high school level here in town. And, you know, he, he really is become one of my favorite players in the league. So I really hope they can make it work. I think they can, but you got to get the right pieces around those two. Uh, Keith, I bet the Clippers to win the championship, which seems right now to be a huge mistake. Uh, the Terrence Mann point guard minutes are going to take years off my oh, life. God. And um, yeah, John Wall, those minutes aren't much better right now. Do you think there's any chance that they land either Fred Van Vliet, Mike Conley? Do you think that that's what they need a point guard? And do you think there's any chance? I'm seeing the reports that they actually make a deal, though, and get a point guard. Yeah, so I'm with you. I picked them to make the finals, so I'm, I'm uh, right there with you on the uh, regret train. Um, I think, though, the Clippers are in an interesting spot. It, it, it's easy to look and say, wow, the position upgrade is point guard, but you got to get the right point guard. It, if you get a guy who needs the ball a lot and is going to be, all right, I got to be running the show and I got to set guys up, that's not really what they need because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, in all the meaningful moments, they're going to be the guys you want the ball in their hand. So you got to find the right guy who can kind of play off them. And I think they were hoping that could be Reggie Jackson. He's just had the, you yeah. know, a brutal season. And so now I think what you're looking at is rather than kind of maybe a Van Vliet kind of guy or a guy like that, I think, you know, if you could go get a Mike Conley, that starts to make some sense. Now, your question that you got to ask next is, all right, well, that's going to cost more money. But in the time it took me to say that sentence, Steve Ballmer made whatever it is that it's going to be to cover the, the extra costs and salary and taxes. So he's not worried about it at all. He'll go and continue to add to that tax bill. So it's up to the front office to identify the right guy and the right fit, as opposed to feels like where they've gone a little sideways in this whole build is just kind of collecting talent. And now they've got to really find the right guys who fit. Talking to Keith Smith, BetMGM tonight. You know, we're getting closer and closer to the NBA trade deadline. And, of course, the NBA is – there's always somebody that wants a trade. There's always a team that's going to be trying to take a big swing, e even at the deadline, even though the offseason is its own animal in itself. As we get closer to this, looking at the parity in the NBA, looking at, as you said, up to 10 teams that really do think they can win a title, how active do you think this trade deadline will be? And maybe who are the teams or at least one team that you think could be really aggressive and swing for the fences given – where they would think their trajectory is. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be somewhat active. I think you're going to see a couple things. I think you'll see the teams that are bad, they'll look to move some of their veterans and get those guys out and off to contenders. I, that, that's the kind of normal thing that happens at the trade deadline. I think the other thing we may see is much like we saw came out of nowhere, caught everybody off guard, that Tyrese Halliburton, DeMontis Sabonis trade last summer, which, you know, the Kings got killed for sorry last deadline the kings got killed for that deal and that was really unfair because people started acting like sabonis was like some throw-in who was overpaid and hadn't done anything and the guy had two all-stars uh, games on his resume he's a very very good player and that's from someone who loves Halliburton. but i think you may see trades like that where two teams say hey you know what we've got too many bigs 
you've got too many guards. Let's try to rebalance a little bit here. Let's try to go with that. Teams that we may see kind of make the big moves to go all in, I think you might see the Brooklyn Nets take on some more salary and try to add a couple guys. They need another big. They could use another guard with size on that team. I think we talked about the Clippers. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they added. And I think the Phoenix Suns, with the new ownership group coming in right as the trade deadline's happening, I think you're going to see them look and say, hey, between Jay Crowder and Dario Sarge, we've got essentially $20 million in expiring salary here. Hey, let's go add somebody big who can really help lift us uh, back to where we think we should be as far as being a contender in this league. Keith Smith, Spotrack, always good talking to you. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. I, 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 I wanted to know about Russ and Hachimura. I know. You want me to text them? Yeah. Text them. Ask them, do they keep What's the problem Russ with these hard outs? Can they, can they stop giving us hard outs so we can actually keep guests longer? Keith, I love that. Keith, we know it's Friday like, night. Why don't you just come hang out? Why do you want to stay around another show. segment? Yeah. Well, yeah, Keith's so good. Out. There's like a million questions I want to ask. I just want to pepper him. I got more. I got more.